TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome back, everybody. We keep it rolling here from the Borgata. I am Rob Ellis. Howard is uh, catching a flight. I think he's doing a little kumbaya with Mike Lombardi and Emmanuel Acho. They're, they're just holding hands and having fun and singing songs and on his merry way to Los Angeles, we'll see if the Eagles can get a win. Look, I, I, I sat here last week with you, and I told you I didn't think the Eagles were going to win that game in Dallas because they're not good enough. And I wish I was wrong about that, but it's not there this year. And, th- and that's a hard reality. It's a hard pill for Eagles fans to swallow. I get it, coming off of what happened last year. But they're just not. You know, every, every big spot that we've talked about, they've come up small. And yet again, they start the game off in horrific fashion. Then they get it going, but then they can't get the stops. It's the same old story. I don't think they win this game in L.A. I wouldn't touch 13 points. I wouldn't lay the 13 with the Rams. And we'll talk to Mark Lawrence at 940. We'll get into the Eagles game as well as some of the other games. We've got two NFL games today. We'll talk about that. But I wouldn't go anywhere near that game. I have no confidence in the Eagles. I actually think Nick Foles will be all right. That's not even the, 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 the issue for me. The issue for me is going to be the Rams taking apart that awful secondary and the Eagles not being able to get enough pressure on Jared Goff. I mean, it took Linehan, who's the offensive coordinator, and Jason Garrett until the fourth quarter to realize they should go up top on the Eagles. And when they did, you saw Amari Cooper take them apart. And that's going to happen, I think, with frequency throughout the game tomorrow. So I, I think the Eagles are in big trouble in this game, but I don't feel like they have any, any, any shot anyway or any hope, even going into the game. I know, you know people can rationalize that they still have a prayer with the wild card, et cetera. They're just not good enough themselves. So that's the, the crux. That's the biggest part of this thing. What happened this week and what happened yesterday and the day before with, with the, the Wentz news coming out and Doug's press conference and the way that that was handled, that's all camouflaging the bigger problem that this team just isn't good enough. They don't start games well enough. They don't scheme up the opposition well enough. And that falls on the coaching staff. That falls on Doug Peterson. It falls on the offensive coaches. Yes, some of that is because of the injuries, of course. But every team in the league is banged up. The Eagles were banged up last year, and they were able to overcome it. It may not have been as concentrated in certain areas, like corner, like running back, no question. But you have to be able to adapt and overcome. And the Eagles haven't been. And people were lulled into believing that they you know, had gotten their act together because they beat two awful teams in the Giants and the Redskins. You see what happens when they go against the big boys. Sort of like the Sixers. You know, We were talking about the Sixers a little bit earlier. You look at the Sixers' record against the legit teams in the East. They have one win, and it was at Indiana. They can't beat the Celtics, they can't beat the Raptors, and they can't beat the Pacers as they did last night. So we could certainly talk about the Eagles. We could talk about the Sixers. We could talk about the Phillies and how quiet things are right now. Apparently, the White Sox are real players to land both Machado and Harper. I can't believe that those two guys would go there if it's about anything else other than money. 
you're a second-class citizen in your own town behind the Cubs. But if it is about a money grab and Chicago's willing to pony up more than anybody else, then they may go there. But the problem the Phillies have is because of the discussions, because of this their own star hunting, because of John Middleton's spending stupid money and getting people's hopes up that they were actually going to land Harper and Machado, if they don't, it's going to be real tough to garner fan interest. They had a hard time getting people in the seats last year. If this offseason plays out this way where they don't land either one of these two big names, it's going to be really tough, not to mention the fact that they need them. This isn't just about name power. This is about ability. The Phillies just aren't good enough. Now, nothing's been nothing's happened. You know, and, and typically with the winter meetings and, and this week that follows before the new year, these couple weeks that follows is when these things get done for the most part with the real big boys. So we'll see. But I think Phillies fans are, are getting a little nervous that this thing is not going to play out the way that they had hoped. So we can kick everything around. You want to talk about that disaster of the Flyers. I'm still trying to figure out how Dave Haxtall is still there. But there's a lot to discuss, and we'll kick it off with Rob in Doylestown. What's going on, Rob? Oh, Sadie in media. Wow. Hey, guys. <clears throat> Good morning. Hey, Sadie. Um, I'm trying to get the answer, or at least some kind of answer, to something I've been asking people sure. um, about uh, NFL and football in, in general. So when you have a team like we had last year, which was just you know phenomenal on multiple levels, how do you, how do you go from that to the following year? Is, is there a protocol within the NFL or within teams themselves where they transition they have a protocol or a structure of how to transition. I'm, I'm one... confused with what you're asking me, Sadie. In other words, what's the, the protocol? How did they go from that to this? What do you mean? How did they well, fall off? How did their play well, fall off? Well, well there's so much, <clears throat> excuse me, attention on the business end, you know, which is who you bring in, who you trade out, and, and sort of that kind of swapping in and swapping out. And then a lot of talk about the physicality. I'm asking about the mental and the psychology of the changes. Okay. Is that addressed? I, yeah, I, I think it – I'm not sure that it's been handled well enough by Doug this year. Um, you know, it started off with the, the new norm is hung up in the locker room, then it's taken down because the players didn't want that up there. And, you know, we had inklings of this in the preseason when Halapulavati uh, Vitae says, hey, I, maybe I should start preparing like we didn't win the Super Bowl. That, that should have been more of a red flag. You know, I, I kind of thought maybe he's the only one feeling that way, but I think there were more. We're seeing in general why it's so hard to repeat. And in the NFL, it really hasn't happened in about 15 years, and it was the Patriots. So it's, I think you're seeing part of that. Some of it is injuries. Some of it is play has slipped. And some of it is the mentality that you get fat and happy a little bit, Sadie. I think it's a lot of different things. I, I agree. Can I ask you a specific follow-up? Sure. I, I said to my husband on the 5th of February, you know, how are they going to help Carson <clears throat> transition? Because this is a young man who so desperately wanted to play to win the Super Bowl and obviously came back showing that and being a little reckless. How do they help a young man like that who, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that obviously he was, you know, destroyed, 
But how do you help a young quarterback like that who gets in there and isn't playing, and then here he comes back and is, you know, trying to do more? Well, I don't – see, and Sadie, thanks. I I disagree that he played reckless. I don't think he played reckless. I think that he did everything he could to get back on the field, which is admirable and what you want out of any of your players, you know, especially your franchise quarterback. So I I don't put that in the reckless category, and I don't think his his style of play this year since he came back in week three – has been reckless. Um, I think, unfortunately, an injury occurred. Now, whether that was him compensating from that knee, whether it was just football and stuff happens, I mean, you, he's gotten hit quite a bit this year, and that's not due to his reckless play. That's due to the offensive line. Some of that is he holds the ball too long, but that's not reckless. That's just Carson's holding the ball too long, and he's got to improve on that. But I, I think what you do, what you try to do next year is surround him with better talent and coach him up better. And I, I think they've lacked in both of those categories. They're not good enough at running back right now. The offensive line hasn't played well enough. And I don't think the preparation has been there like it was last year for whatever reason, whether that was the loss of Frank Reich and John Filippo, who's now out of a job in Minnesota, or it's Doug. You, you know, whatever. They haven't been good enough. You can easily look at these games, the way they start these games, and just take last week, for example. The way that they came out against that Cowboys team, how do you explain the second half looking the way it looked where they're able to move the ball up and down the field? They're connecting with Aguilar deep. They're spreading the ball around. Alshon Jeffries reappears. You know, Zach Ertz, of course, is getting his passes. They're, in, they're getting Darren Sproles involved. How do you explain that with what it looked like to begin the game? Like, that's telling. And I know there are adjustments made in game, but you can't start off as poorly as they started a game off and then look the way that they look later in a game. That, there's some, there's a disconnect somewhere. Let's go to Rob in Doylestown. Rob, you're on 94 WIP. Are you sure? That's, yeah, Rob. We, I, I don't know what happened. I clicked on you, man, and something, and something then, else happened. And all of a sudden she appeared. That's it. We got you, though. <laughs> okay. The, the signing of Andrew McCutcheon is an indication to me that Matt Clantock is not going to do what his boss said he wanted to do, which is spend stupid money on overpaid players like Harper and Machado. You go to war with what you have now and spend stupid money next year on Mike Trout. Yeah, but Trout's, not a, fr- Trout's not a free Cesar agent Hernandez next year. And Odubel Herrera Rob, Trout's got Rob in a trade for Bumgarner. Rob, Rob, Trout's got two years left. But here's the thing: I don't think McCutcheon means you're not going after Harper and Machado because McCutcheon's not the MVP McCutcheon that we saw five years ago. He's he's a nice player. He's a nice piece. He's a corner outfielder. But that doesn't preclude you from signing either one of those two guys. Well, I, I don't want to sign them. I don't, I don't think they're worth the money they're going to get. But nobody is, though. And, I mean, and three months into the contract, the, the fans in Philadelphia are not going to like either one of them. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that. I, okay. I, I don't okay. think that's well, going to be a problem. And, and you're entitled to that opinion. No, but, but here's How about the... packaging uh, Cesar Hernandez and Odubel Herrera to get Baumgartner? Yes, that I'll agree with. Thanks, Rob. Um, I would dangle Hernandez. I would dang. They, I think they're more in the in the need for an outfielder. Whether it was Oduble, whether it was Nick Williams, I would try to get Bumgarner. I've I've been a big proponent of them landing Bumgarner, really since the season ended. So I would be happy about that. I disagree. The fans wouldn't like Machado or Harper. Obviously, you got a little radar up for Machado with some of the comments and some of the stuff that we saw in the postseason, clearly. There's no doubt about that. And if this team starts to go south 
and he's dogging it, making that kind of money, then there could be problems. That part I, I hear you with. But I don't think three months in they're not going to like these guys, and I certainly think they need them. There's no guarantee you're going to land Mike Trout. So you got you got to strike while it's hot right now. And having one of those two guys here is more of an appeal for a Mike Trout to come here. Let's go to Tom in Deptford. Tom, you're on 94 WIP. What's up, Rob? Glad Tom. to have you back. Thanks What's up, Tom? Hey, Thanks. Listen, I, I got to tell you, you're dead on with the Sixers because you, Simmons is a, is, is a guard in a forward body who can't shoot. This magic was unbelievable because he posted up and shoots. This guy, he disappears in the fourth quarter. He wants to, when you get into the playoffs, it's all about the half court. And if he can't post up and shoot, he's done. What good is he? Get me a guard who can play and give me a couple good forwards. I'll be glad to play. I'm telling you, they're a better team if they get a couple other players. I'm telling you. He, 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 after the season, because all he wants to do is run the floor and dunk. I'm tired of seeing him not want to get the ball in the fourth quarter. The thing that's but, disappointed me, Tom, is I, I thought he would be more willing, yeah. at least at least from mid-range. Absolutely. But but he's less willing than he even was his first year. Well, it's crazy. Could you, imagine, could you imagine if he posted up? He'd be like, man, he's got better skills than Magic. He handles the ball better. He sees the court, believe it or not, better. Okay, but he don't want to shoot. I've never seen anything like it. A guy in a body, a, a, a guard in a forest body, he doesn't want to do that. It is strange. It's and it, it, would, it would make sense because he's ambidextrous that he could be good on the block right. exactly. on either That's side. What I mean. That's yeah. what I mean. That's what my point is compared to Magic. He, he's got more both sides. But listen, here's the other thing with these Eagles. I have never seen a team, Rob, go from so, so good is so bad in every category. The coach forgot how to coach. The quarterback, I don't know what he's doing. Okay, I could see if he was hesitant, then you do get rid of the ball because of your injury. It, that, to hold on to that ball in that first quarter and him get waffled like he did and lose the ball, I've seen it all season long. Get rid of the ball. Roll out. Throw the ball away. He's even forgotten that. Here's the other big thing that no one fails to mention. They have gotten two impact players out of the last three drafts. Yep. That is a that is unbelievable. Their drafting has been horrific the Horrend- last two years. I mean horrendous. You, uh, look at the drafts the last three years. They've got Carson and I think Big Rick. That may be it. I mean, it's scary. Yeah, I mean, they, they have guys like Goddard who are contributors who yeah, I think are going to get better. Yet, but No, Bob. right. But the, you're right. The problem is there's too many Donnell Pumphrey, Shelton yeah, Gibson, Way too many guys who are, who are either doing nothing, gone, or making no impact. And listen, that's how you win in the NFL. If you can draft from the third round to the fifth round and get backup players who improve and get better, and you can weed them out, not weed them out, you can stretch their contracts out to get the stars. Listen, you're only going to get so many free agents and pay them high money that can help you. The free agency wasn't made to be a draft. That's why the NFL is so successful. And the teams are so good, like Pittsburgh and stuff like that. They draft so well. They draft year in and year out so good. Yeah, no, a a great example, Tom, and thanks, man, is the Cowboys. I mean, guys like Van Der Esch have come in and they they, they lose a guy like Sean Lee, which happens a lot, but they lose a guy like Sean Lee. But because they draft it well, a guy like Van Der Esch comes right in and makes an immediate impact. And that's what you're lacking. Look. Going into last year, I'm talking about leading into the Super Bowl season, Howie hit a home run with virtually every either free agent signing or trade that he made in the, in the case of a, a Nick Foles. He hit a home run. I mean, every one of those guys paid dividends. Foles, obviously. Alshon Jeffrey, obviously. LeGarrette Blunt, Jay Ajayi. We could go on and on and on. Like, out of the park. Directly led to a Super Bowl. 
But the problem is that draft and this year's draft have not netted anywhere near enough for this team to be able to have the kind of sustained success that they need to have. This is why teams like the Patriots are, are in it virtually every year. Yes, it's Brady and Belichick, your, your focal points, but it's the drafting that they're able to do and fill those guys in to step into spots that keeps it going. And the Eagles' drafts have really come back to bite them. Let's go to Bill in Gilbertsville. Bill, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, Rob. Uh, you guys are kind of touching upon your last previous caller, one of your previous callers, touching on that, too. I'm just, Simmons just kills me. Uh, you know, and I'm sick of you know the excuses, and I think you know I agree with what Howard was saying earlier, that the, you know, the relationship is just, you know, with, with him. He won't say anything to him. And, you know, I feel like, you know, it's like, you know, Brett Brown's a good coach, but he's not a great coach. He's not going to get himself a hump. It's Simmons, and like, you know, the other caller was saying, the playoffs are going to be a different, it's a different animal. And he's going to be playing against really good teams every night. It's not like he's putting up 20, he puts up 20 against bad teams. And, you know, it, it, and it disappears, like, you know, the, the other caller said in the second half. Like, last night he scored three points, and they're up 10 in the, in the, in the second half. Yeah. You know, he scores, he's, he's not effective in the half court. Uh, he just gets he gets filler points, you know, just meaningless points and meaningless stats, and it's just killing the team. It just it, it puts everybody down on Embiid and everybody else. It doesn't free up Reddick and, and everything else. No, and, and look, Bill, I, I'm I'm a big Ben Simmons guy, but a big big Ben Simmons supporter. But as time goes on and you watch this develop and you're watching this young team develop, you see the shortcomings. He's a very incomplete player, and as I mentioned. When you're playing in the playoffs, it's a half-court set. When you're watching end games, you know, when you're in these tight games like last night or when, when leads are falling apart and defense you know, tightens up for the opposition, he's, he's non-existent. Like, unless, unless he's grabbing a defensive board and pushing it the other way, which he's great at, unless that's happening, he's not giving you much. Yeah, and even when, he, when he's pushing, like I said, you know, I guess I, like you mentioned, the thing that really, really concerns me, and, you know, you guys said earlier with the Fultz thing, at least Fultz has shown improvement and he will shoot the ball. Where Simmons has regressed, and that's the scary thing. And, right. and again, everybody keeps thinking, uh, well, eventually, you know, he's got the skills he can. He's never, he's, obviously, he's showing. He is proving, just like, you know, everybody rips Fultz, he's proving that he will not, he's not going to shoot that shot and develop it. He won't. So, you know, why, in a sense, waste that time, uh, you know, on what they call a transcendent, a transcendent player who isn't transcendent? Like, I would just love to see, like, 6'10", like, you know, people are saying. He's got the skills to spin on the right-hand side and then lay it up left-handed like an athletic, like a move, instead of fading away like he's he's six foot tall like I, an Iverson. Yeah, Bill, I, 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 I think, I, I think everything you're saying, nuts. I think everything you're saying, and I hear your frustration. I, I, I do. But... It sounds like we're getting into sort of write him off category when he hasn't even played two full seasons in the league. Like, I, I, maybe I'm naive here in thinking this, but I, I do think he can develop that shot at, at the mid-range level to the point where he's effective, where he's more effective. But it is troubling to me that that wasn't more of a concentration in the offseason. It hasn't been implemented this year at all. I mean, he, the only time, he occasionally will shoot that fadeaway, kind of falling out of the lane, 
maybe elbow distance. Like, that's the, about the only time you'll ever get it. There's never even a thought, even from the foul line, to pull up and shoot a jumper. Never. It's never a pull-up. It's always a fadeaway where he's a little bit more comfortable. And, yeah, that's an issue. I mean, that's an absolute issue. And that isn't the only issue. Like I mentioned with Howard, they're incredibly thin depth-wise. I mean, when, you, when you're talking about a bench that you're counting on, like, real legitimate scoring punch from, from a rookie, Landry Shaman, who's done a nice job, no doubt, and, and Mike Mescala, who's overachieved for you up until this point, and, and, not, and TJ and not much else, that's a bad bench. And when you lose one of your starters and you have to incorporate one of those bench players into your lineup, it, it makes it obvious that it's going to be Embiid and it's going to be Redick and it's going to be Simmons. And you're not getting much else from anybody. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. Sixers, Eagles, Phillies, it's all on the docket. Jay, Fred, you guys will be first up. When we get back, I'm Rob Ellis. We're coming to you live from the Borgata. WIP Sports Time is 920. 926, welcome back, everybody. Rob Ellis coming to you live from the Borgata. Coming up at 940, be Mark Lawrence. We'll get his selections for the week. Now, keep in mind, we got games today in the NFL. We'll get two Saturday games, Texans and the Jets and the Broncos and the Browns. You know, I, mild interest in the Broncos and the Browns because I like to see what, what Cleveland's turning into with Baker Mayfield. But not great games today, but we'll talk to Mark Lawrence, see what he likes. Coming up at 940, including that Eagles game that is a 13. Right now it is 13 points. Uh, who would have thought we'd be sitting here, right, on December 15th off of a Super Bowl win and the Eagles would be a 13-point underdog to a team that they beat there last year. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon cell. Let's go to Jay in West Philly. Jay, you're on 94 WIP. What's up, Jay? What's going on, man? How you hey, feeling, man? Good, man. How you doing? Hey, this has been Simmons thing, man. <laughs> it's finally coming to light. People getting set up. And it's just like Howard said, that, that family child thing is deep. Because this is positionless basketball. You look at the Warriors. Who's the best player on the Warriors? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, well, they, got, they, got, they have a plethora of good players, but you're right. I mean, they, they have guys like Draymond is, who can do a lot of different things. But and, see, that's the whole thing. Steph being unselfish and being able to play without yeah. the ball in his hands makes everybody else better. Mm-hmm. But we got a player that they say is generational, but this is the only team in the NBA where he would have been given a point guard where he never played point guard in his life. <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing, though, Jay. The, the interesting thing about it is – it's not his handle or his vision or anything like that. It's the out-and-out out refusal to shoot the basketball. Refusal. refusal. Yeah. And the thing with Brett Brown, this is why people are starting to see the family ties thing is because we know Markel is kind of sensitive. Everybody's not the same. Everybody says he's 20 in the NBA. But it's like everything Markel did, he pulled him out. The same thing that Ben is doing, if Markel did it, he, he coached Mark or he was hard on Markel. Not saying that he shouldn't be. Uh, yeah, but, but, but they, Jay, see that I'll differ with you on this one. Ben's given you uh, given them a hell of a lot more than Markel Fultz has ever given them. I, I, I mean, let's but that's be real my about point, that. Right? This this is my point with with Simmons. Just because he has the ball in his hands, if he was to play the four or the three, which is his position, how effective would he be? He's not shooting the ball. I actually think he's more that's, of a four than a, than a three. Exactly, but that's what I'm saying. The only, but he won't shoot the ball 
at the four. He won't shoot the ball, so he's only effective when he has the ball in his hand. I, I would I like Mark, to see them go mo- much more with him at the four, put TJ at the one, and just feed him exactly, in the post more. Exactly, but this is my thing. He he changed Ben position. Well, he made him a point guard, but they went Markel. I think I think Markel's going to come back and help the team. I really do. Because, like I said, every time I look at him, I think of Andrew Tony. People said he wasn't hurt. I just think the kid's going to come back. But he has to allow him to play. He can't. <laughs> well, but, Jay, here's the thing, man. I, 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 I see what he's doing. Here's the thing. And thanks for the call, man. Andrew Tony was a killer. There, there's a reason why they called him the Boston Strangler. Andrew Tony had an assassin's mentality. Have you seen an assassin's mentality from Markel Fultz? I mean, come on. Let's not ever put Andrew Tony and, and Markel Fultz in the same sentence. I mean, and I don't know. Hey, look, Jay's confident, and I talk to Jay a lot, and Jay's a good caller. He has a lot of faith in Markel Fultz. I can't say I do. That doesn't mean I want to cut ties with him either. He's going to have to prove it to me. And the problem the Sixers are in right now is what are you moving him for? Like for the people who want to get rid of him and just say, ah, yeah, cut bait. Well, what are you getting back? You're just going to give him away for a second rounder or some slop on the Pistons bench? I'm not doing that. I'm going to hope and pray, and I'm skeptical of it, but I'm at least going to hope that he can come back and get this thing straightened out. Because let's face it, on top of all the drama that goes along with him, they need him. It's obvious. They don't have enough players right now. Let's go to Fred and Collingdale. Fred, you're on 94 WIP. Yo, Rob, what's going on? My man, Fred. What's happening, brother? Not much. I couldn't agree. I'm not. I've called for Eagles, but I couldn't agree more about faults. Like you know, if you, you can't, if you're going to get rid of them and get nothing, you might as well keep them and see if you get the player you drafted. You know, there's no yeah. reason to just give them away. It's, and it's and even if, Fred, even if he's giving you, look, it's not what we all would have hoped for as the first overall pick. But even if he's giving you 10, 12 off the bench, I mean, it's better than what you have right now. We have nothing off the bench. You, the, the TJ fans, and, and I love and I love TJ, and he comes in, and he's a spark. But he's not a backup point guard in this league. He's he's a spark guy. Come in and then get off. You know, he can't play extended minutes. That's the problem. He, he, he just gets exposed. Right, he, that, and that's the perfect word for it: exposure. Like if he if you still have Fultz here, and TJ's giving you five ten minutes off the bench and certain you know whatever, but we all know what he brings: scrappy and all that stuff. That's great. But the problem is, if he's got to play 15 to 20, especially on that end that you just mentioned, they're going to pick on him, and they're going to go right at him, just like they go right at Shamit, just like they go right at Redick. No question. No question. But moving to, uh, to the Eagles, and you're talking about the disconnect. And, I mean, I'm not putting this all on Peterson, but I, I just don't understand. And this has been since Wentz has got back, even before, even with Foles, he's – He's reverted back to old ways. It's, 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 and I don't understand why. It seems they come out with a game plan in the first half. They run the RPO junk, which does not work with Carson Wentz. It, it just doesn't. It works like maybe three, four times a game, not the offense based on that. They run that junk. Second half comes out, and, and then they start to get a little more free. And I'm going to just assume that, that Wentz is, is allowed to do more at that point because the game plan's out the window all of a sudden the offense starts to move. Now, Wentz has not had a, a great year by MVP standards, but by NFL quarterback standards, he's still had a pretty good year. So I don't, I, I'm blaming this all on Peterson. This, this, is, this is him, in my opinion. 
I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any way you could have watched this team the whole season and seen the way that they started games on his side of the ball, which is his domain, the offense, and say he's done a good job. He's not. He hasn't done a good job. I mean, as great as he was last year, and he, and he, he did, he, much like Howie, he pushed every right button. He was unbelievable. He was bold. He coached great. He hasn't coached well this year. It's a different season, and he needs to look in the mirror and really examine why this team has come out and been so awful to start games. Whether it's him, whether it's assistants who may end up paying the price for this, whatever, something's got to give because this is not good enough. I agree, and and it and it, like Howie hit every button as well. His drafts have been horrendous, as the other guy and you were talking about. But it, it was almost as if, and I hate to call it this because I love that we won the Super Bowl, but it was like a gambler that was on a run. You know what I mean? Yeah. What it, you wonder it, it, is, it, it, it was was that just an, a, the anomaly, right? That, that they were they just they got hot, they rode it. I, I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say because but, they did. They really only lost two games the whole year. They were a dominant team true. last year, but they're completely different this year. They're just completely well, different. But, like Philly special, I, I love it. I'm glad it worked. I was against that. I was like, no, what? Take the points. <laughs> no, but, but, it, but, but if that it didn't work. Th- that was in step. Lose? Yeah, and Fred, thanks, buddy. That was in step with what did, Doug did all all year, right? So he stayed true to the identity of that team with that play, and obviously we're celebrating it because it worked and everything in, in, in the biggest of spots, and that was great. But I just don't think he's at a feel this year whether to be the aggressive guy or to take the foot off the pedal or whatever. And I just don't think he's attacking and game planning well enough against the opposition. There's something – and it's, it's easy and I think valid to look at the assistants who aren't here and say, well, we're, that missing ingredient's not here. What's the difference? Doug's still here. Why isn't Doug coaching as well now? It's just to deduce that is, is pretty fair. Joe and Malvern, you're on 94 WIP. What's up, Joe? Hey Rob, what's up? Good to hear you on the radio. Thanks, brother. I don't, I don't always agree with you, but I still think that your voice and uh, what you say is part of the Philadelphia fabric. So glad to hear you. Nice of you to say. Thanks. What's going on? Anyway, uh, I wanted to talk about Ben Simmons. Did you ever see the show where it says uh, "Bird Against Magic" and their friendship? Did you ever yeah, see that? it's great. It's actually really good. It's awesome. Yes, I've seen it. Well, one of the things that they say is Bird says to, to the guy on the camera, he says. Um, yeah, I would be home, and I would be thinking Magic was um, was in there shooting 500 jumpers today, so I shot 600. And Ben Simmons is nowhere near that. That's what you need when you have hunger to be good at your position. And Larry Bird had it, so did Magic, because they would both be sitting there, and Magic wasn't a good shot, but he shot 500 shots every day. And we don't have a boy that can do that. Well, but, here, but here's the thing, though, Joe, in all fairness. And I, I'll speak to Embiid, too, because they, they both are in the gym working their asses off. Simmons works hard. The problem is I don't know if he's working on the things that he should be working on. In other That's words. That's my point right there, Rob. That yeah. was my point. I yeah. don't think he's in there working on his jump shot, and that's what he needs to be working on. Yeah, and, and it's a, because look. Because everything else. Everything else looks like it comes natural to him, right? But the jump shot doesn't. Yeah, I, I've I've said this before, and I and I, I here's my assessment of of why he doesn't shoot, can't shoot, whatever. I, I think he's dominated his whole life one way, being bigger, stronger, more athletic, you know, whatever than everybody else, and he never had to develop that skill. He's got to realize at this. Right. Yeah, he's got to realize at this level that that component has to be there from his game and if it's not there it, it's going to forever limit him and this team 
whenever, whenever you have a weakness, concentrate on your weakness because usually your strong points come natural. So work on them a little bit, but get right on your weakness, which is shoot a hundred cup, a hundred shots a day. Yeah, and that, but the other part of it, Joe, is and thanks, man. Um, again, I think it's too early to pronounce anything. Like the notion that that Simmons doesn't work hard, I don't agree with. I, again, is he working smart? There's a big difference between working hard and working smart. In other words, with him, we know what he can do. We know he can clear a defensive rebound, go the other end, throw it down. He's got a great handle for a guy his size. We, we know all of those things. He's good finishing with both hands around the basket. But to me, the, the, the focal point of what he's doing to improve himself has to be about the jump shot. And I still watch him shoot. Whether it's a free throw, whether it's warming up in games, whether it's the, the, the rare you know, fadeaway that you see from him, whatever, I still see a guy whose shot is very flawed. The elbow comes, I, I've been on the elbow thing forever with him. The elbow comes too far out, which in turn puts bad rotation on the ball because his elbow's out and he's almost shooting it like he's flipping it to the side rather than elbow tucked in, follow through. I'm, 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 I'm doing this for Dave Breitmeyer down here. It's a, it's a great display. It's gr- good for radio when I'm showing the shot. But the b- point is, I still see a guy who I don't know who he's working with, and I don't know what the team's been doing or whatever, but he's also mentally there's a hang-up there. Like, there are plenty of opportunities where I'm not asking him to shoot a three. I'm talking about 10, 12 feet maybe where it's begging for him to shoot a jump shot, and he won't do it. He's got to get over that mental hurdle of not being willing to shoot or else it's going to be a problem for him. It's going to be a problem for, it, for the team. Part of this is exacerbated because they don't have enough depth around him also. You see it when somebody like Butler goes down. You saw it last night where it's, it's essentially it's really on three guys to, to go off, whether it's Joel, whether it's J.J., or whether it's Ben, because you're not getting much else. Wilson Chandler gives you nothing. The bench gives you virtually nothing. So the, these are all all the issues that the team is facing when you're trying to take that next step from surprising everybody, you know, going from 28 wins to 50 win, 52 wins, whatever it was, to, okay, what's the next step? Go deep in the playoffs. Get to a, an Eastern Conference Finals. And you watch this team right now, and even with the Butler addition, they're not good enough. 888-729-9494, pound 9494 on your AT&T and Verizon. So we'll come back. We'll get a couple more phone calls in. We will also speak to Mark Lawrence about all the games on the NFL card, including that Eagles 13-point line against the Rams. I'm Rob Ellis. We're coming to you live from the Borgata. WIP Sports Time is 940. Love hearing that music. Yes, welcome back, everybody. Rob Ellis in for Howard Eskin. Howard is uh, en route to Los Angeles, actually back to Philadelphia, then Los Angeles, where the Eagles will face the Rams tomorrow night. And we'll get to that point spread, which is 13 with Mark Lawrence in a minute. But Mark Lawrence joins us as he does each and every Saturday at this time. Check him out, playbook.com, and, of course, his column for USA Today. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing just terrific, Rob. How are you doing? Mark, I'm great, man. Let's start because I got a request, a direct request on Twitter to say, please, please ask Mark what he likes first before you get into specific games. So I'll start off. I'll acquiesce. (laughs) Mark, what do you like this weekend? 
Well, you know, I'm going to look at uh, one college football bowl game I think that uh, has a lot of merit on the card day. You know the bowls kick off today. That's right. Uh, the first bowl game is the New Mexico bowl game. And inside the game, you've got a nice situation where Utah State, their head coach is leaving to go to Texas Tech, and he's taking his offensive and defensive coordinating staff with him. On the other side of the coin, you've got North Texas, the underdog in the game, whose head coach Seth Luttrell just turned down an offer from Kansas State to stay at North Texas. So I think the players at North Texas are going to be really, really excited about him wanting to stay and be a coach of this football team. The other side of the coin is Conference USA teams in bowl games have been very good against teams that are the Mountain West. They're 6-2 and two against the point spread. I like North Texas plus the points in this game. Okay. Any other college bowls? Or uh, I know we have uh, pro games today, too. Yeah, uh, that's the only bowl game I think we're going to get into on today's card. Okay. But if you want to get over in the NFL side of things, looking today, the Cleveland Browns against the Denver Broncos, I think Cleveland stands a nice chance in this football game. Uh, you've got a quarterback matchup here. I think that for once in a long, long time favors Cleveland. <laughs> talking about Baker Mayfield, whose uh, quarterback rating and uh, touchdown passes he has this year are more or better than Case Keenum from Denver. And Keenum right now is operating uh, without all wheels, if you will. He lost uh, his two best wide receivers, one to trade, one to injury. Emmanuel Sanders is gone. Demarius Thomas, Demarius Thomas is gone. And I like this stat here. Teams that have played on Saturdays in the National Football League uh, in regular season games, when they're on the road against opponents off a loss, they're 29-8 and eight against the spread. Mm. A real nice role for the Browns here. I think they can capitalize on that today on uh, Saturday's card. Yeah, it's interesting, Mark. They, they've done the impossible. They've made the Browns fun to watch. I mean, Baker Mayfield has made the Browns fun to watch. I'm with you on that. I like them getting two and a half in that one. What else do you like? Yeah, they've done just that. They've made them a, a nice, fun team, and uh, it, it's really, really easy to get your arms wrapped around a team that's been down for so long, and suddenly they're back again. You know, it's, it, it's a nice situation. Uh, the other game I'm going to get to in the National Football League is San Francisco Sunday against Seattle. Seattle's on this nice winning run, but boy, oh boy, you look inside these numbers of the Seahawks, they've been outgained their last three wins that they've played, so that's kind of winning games with smoke and mirrors, if you will. And you go to the reverse side of that, and you look inside the numbers at San Francisco, they've won the yards in four of their last five football games. Then you put all that together with the fact that Seattle's got Kansas City waiting up here on deck next, which might be arguably more focus or attention for that football team. I think San Francisco's playing some pretty good football coming down the stretch here. I like them plus the points over Seattle. Interesting. All right, so uh, heavy dogs here in, uh, on the on the pro side right now. Um, let, let's jump to a couple interesting ones. How about the Colts and the Cowboys? Colts are minus three. Cowboys, of course, coming off that big win over the Eagles. Who do you like in that one? I'm going to stay with the Colts in this game. They're playing some really good football. Obviously, so too is Dallas on this win streak. But, you know, they have other ex- extenuating super circumstances here. One, one, Dallas coming off the sweep of the Philadelphia Eagles, which has never been good for Dallas in the past when they've managed to do just that. Number two, you've got uh, Andrew Luck playing some, I think, arguably his best football right now. He's obviously heads down comeback player of the year in the National Football League, but he's been great in his career at home against teams that have a better record than he does. Uh, in his career, he's gone 13-4 and four against the spread in that role. I think this game has got letdown written all over for the Cowboys. I like the Colts in this game. All right, let's move on to the Vikings and the Dolphins. This is a game of some interest to Eagles fans, of course, still clinging to some hope here in the wild card. Vikings, big number, minus 7.5 Dolphins coming off that miracle last week. 
you know, I think the Miami Dolphins are the phoniest team in the National Football League. Uh, you know, they keep winning games but using, losing the yards. Uh, they're a winning team, but they've only won the yards in two of their 13 games this year. And you just can't keep continuing doing that. Now they're catching a Minnesota team that's very angry. Off the disappointing loss last week at Seattle, they changed their offensive coordinators here. I think Minnesota rebounds in a big way in this game. All right, I'm with you on that one. Let's go to the Patriots and the Steelers. Patriots uh, minus two and a half against Pittsburgh. Of course, you know the back end of that miracle was was New England doing something you rarely ever see them do, and, and you know kind of giving a game up like they did. How do you like in that one? This is uh, this is a game you can make uh, good cases for both teams in here, Rob. Uh, you know, New England's been outstanding in games in December, especially off losses. Uh, Tom Brady in his career, if he doesn't play Miami in this role, he's 25 and two straight up in those games. So they very rarely, seldom will you find this team losing back-to-back games in the month of December. But in Pittsburgh here, now you're talking about a three-point home underdog who has revenge from a tough loss they suffered last year a year ago to the same week. Remember when New England went into Pittsburgh and they won the game on that controversial call when Jesse James went into the end zone for Pittsburgh, scored the touchdown to win the game, but they took it away because of the ball hitting the ground in the end zone. That rule has since been rescinded, a ridiculously rule has has been turned around, but nonetheless it's a big revenge game here for Pittsburgh who also needs this game as much as New England does. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh in this game at the, on their home field here with off three losses in a row. I don't think this team will want to enter the playoffs on a, on a bad losing streak, and I think they'll snap it against New England on Sunday. All right, interesting. So that leads us to the Eagles, Mark. And I said this uh, before we, we brought you up during the, uh, the last segment. Who would have thought we'd be sitting here mid-December, Eagles coming off the Super Bowl championship, and they're 13-point dogs to a team that they beat at their place last year, but that's the case. It's unbelievable, Rob, but uh, I was telling Howard this. Uh, you have to go back to 1993 to find the last time that a defending Super Bowl champion was this large of an underdog. Uh, the only other one that was more was San Francisco back in 93. They took 13 points, and they won the whole game straight up. You put teams like this in roles like this where they're red-faced and embarrassed, and I think that's when you'll find them playing their best football. I like the fact that Nick Foles is going to be behind center in this game, and for no other reason, one, it's a uh, it's a fresh ray of hope here for Philadelphia, a new change. Number two, he he remembers, he knows the Rams cut him back when he was uh, trying out for the Rams uh, earlier in his career. That'll be incentive for him in this contest here. And number three, since Kansas City and the Rams played that shootout game on Monday Night Football a few weeks ago, neither team has been the same. They've both regressed uh, uh, hugely. Mm-hmm. You look at Kansas City and how they're struggling. You look at the Rams and they're struggling as well. I think Philadelphia plus the points is a gift in this game. I like them to make this game very, very competitive. Interesting. All right. Anything else you like, Mark? Any totals? Any other games that we uh, that we failed to talk about? Well, you know, the card is, I think, all in all, a decent-looking card because basically we've got 13, or now you've got 13 games you'll be playing on Sunday because there's no bye weeks in the contest here. Uh, but if I if I take a look at another interesting game here, I think the Buffalo Bills are flying completely under the radar right now as we're speaking here. Number one defense in the National Football League. People don't give them credit for that, but they're playing that good a defense. And a big difference with Josh Allen behind center in this team. And you look at Detroit, uh, their Achilles heel has always been playing on the road. I think the Buffalo Bills might want to make a statement in that game against Detroit on Sunday. All right, interesting. Mark, we appreciate it. We'll check out your work, work at playbook.com as well as your column for USA Today and each and every Saturday right here with Howard at 940. Mark, we appreciate it. Thank you. 
Hey, my pleasure as always, Rob. Enjoy the games. You got it. Have a great weekend. So, Mark, uh, just to recap, North Texas, the Browns, the 49ers, the Colts, the Steelers, and, yes, he likes the Eagles plus the 13 points. All right, it's been a lot of fun today hanging out with you uh, for the last two hours. I want to thank Dave Breitmeyer right here at the Borgata. Back in the studio, my man Phil Jackson, as always, holding it down, doing a great job. Stay tuned. We have Glenn Macnow, Ray Didinger, coming to you from Delaware Park. <laughs> got that wrong last week, but I got it right this week from Delaware Park. Always, always a great listen, so stay tuned for those two guys. I'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock, 1 p.m. tomorrow. I will talk to you. Everybody have a great weekend. Have a great Saturday. I'll talk to you then. I'm Rob Ellis. WIP Sports Time is 9.55. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love. Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.